Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Limitless Lives. I'm your host, Nilesh Patel. Today, we have the absolute privilege of hosting an individual whose life and career embody the title of this episode in every sense of the word. Please join me in welcoming Captain Akshat Jaiswal, a retired captain from the Indian Navy. Raised in a family dedicated to service, he charted a course that shifted from the dot-com boom to the illustrious legacy of the Indian Armed Forces. He has navigated the turbulent and tranquil waters of life with a spirit that reflects his naval background. Commissioned in the Indian Navy in 2000, his voyage was not just across the vast oceans, but also through the realms of knowledge. He's a decorated scholar, a gold medalist, a management diploma holder, and a leadership program graduate. His career in the Navy sailed through notable milestones and eventually attaining the rank of captain. He's consistently shown that a true leader not only commands at the helm, but also dives in deep when duty calls. Off the naval deck, he is an adventurer, a committed family man, and his retirement has been a shift in course towards a new adventure of being a hands-on father and husband, making up for time at sea. Today, we're going to explore his transformative journey, delve into the metaphor of sailing as a journey of self-discovery and growth, and also discuss how the challenges and triumphs of his naval career has shaped his approach to personal development and living a limitless life. Captain Jaiswal, we're delighted to have you aboard. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Nilesh, for that kind introduction. And uh, I'm really happy to be here and uh, truly appreciate you having me on your show here. Thank you so much. Well, I'm truly grateful to have you here today. And I'm really looking forward to hearing more about your journey towards a limitless life. Before we dive any deeper, can you share a little bit more about the beginning of your journey and why you chose to join the Indian Navy? I would place a lot on destiny. And the fact that I had so many generations of armed forces blood running through my veins, because the fact of the matter was that when I was in my high school, I never really wanted to join the armed forces. I'm talking of 95 when the IT revolution was just about starting and me, like all others, was also wanting to join that bandwagon. And so armed forces was never really on the anvil and more so because back in those days in the Indian armed forces wasn't really attracting a lot of talent because of various factors. Although having said that, my father was still serving at that time. He was in the Indian army and he too felt that with uh, me being a a reasonably bright student, I should uh, probably explore other options. So, so armed forces was never something which I wanted to join then. But what happened was that I was really close uh, to my grandfather and he at that time used to come and stay with us for a few months every year. And he was, I would like to believe that I was one of his favorites and he always wanted me to continue the family legacy of being in the armed forces and join the forces. And over conversations, I would tell him that, you know, these are not the times that one would like to join the forces. And so I was also not keen to join one. And I could see the sense of disappointment in him when uh, he, he realized that probably I uh, would not be following her, his and my ancestors footsteps. But as I said, it was destiny because just while I was about to give my 12 standard board exams, unfortunately, my grandfather expired. And few days after he expired, I received a letter from him. Back in those days, we used to write letters to each other. And his last letter was, which was to me, 
in that he again sort of mentioned and hoped that I would join the forces. So that got me thinking. I did not discuss this with anybody in my family, including my parents. And finally, I decided that, you know what, I will just do what my grandfather wanted me to do. And I gave the entrance exam for the Navy. And fortunately, with his blessings, I got through and I decided to join the forces. So that is how I joined the forces. And it was all destiny. I think it's really helpful to get a sense of the beginning part of your journey. You mentioned you could see a sense of disappointment initially about you potentially not joining the Indian Navy. How did you feel going through that? Yes. So when I did decide to join this, and because it was just a conversation and an understanding between me and my grandfather, and my family, as in my parents, never really pressurized me to join the forces. In fact, they were not keen on me joining as such. But finally, when I took the decision and I joined, later in life that I look back in retrospect, I, I did realize that it shaped a very important character for me to lead what you call in your show a limitless uh, life. I had taken a decision on my own and I owned that decision because when I joined the Naval Academy, it was, it was a very rough going. I was this young kid coming from the cozy environments of your home and suddenly thrust into this environment, which is physically and mentally very taxing. And it happens like with most of us who join the Naval Academy, we all reach a breaking point where we, we think that, okay, this is enough. I can't do it anymore and I need to quit and go back. But the thing which stopped me from quitting and going back home was the fact that I had taken a decision on my own and I needed to own it. And that's what I did. And because I own my own decision, it stopped me from quitting. The byproduct of this was that it stopped me from blaming anyone else for my failures. So later in life also, I kept building onto this. I realized how important it is if you own a decision that it makes you work harder to prove yourself that you were worthy of the decision that you took. What specifically do you feel started you on this journey of transformation? So... You know, I feel that my journey in the Navy, right from the time I started training as a cadet in the Naval Academy, it, it was a learning right from a very early stage. And the one thing which I think every Armed Forces Academy or Armed Forces in the world teaches you is that it's a great equalizer, the Armed Forces, because here we are, a bunch of 50 odd you know, young kids who come from all walks of life, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different castes, creed colors, culture, and you come there and you are not defined by who you are. The only thing which defines you is your will to succeed and how much are you willing to work hard. And that is what was one of the learnings which I had early in life, but that you should not judge a book by its cover because we had these, some of these, my colleagues who would come were probably physically not as well built as others and we would think, oh, they'll not be able to perform a certain task. But that was not the case. It didn't matter how well built physically you were, but finally what matters, how well you gelled into a team and what was your will to succeed. And that's all what mattered. So this was, I think, the first lesson we learned being in the Navy. And apart from that, I think the second most important thing which teaches you is to be an inclusive team member. That a success of any person is defined by how well he plays in a team. So these were, I think, my two early lessons in life, which I learned and which 
helped me to continue building on on these things and you know live probably a little more meaningful life later on i'd love to hear more about the transition from being a youthful man moving into the environment of the navy i'm curious to whether you felt you had to shed anything about yourself and your identity or did it in fact make you more aware of something that you weren't fully aware of about yourself or others i think both the things happened i did have to shed a few aspects of my character once i went there like i said the first thing that i stopped judging people i think and that's something which came to me very early in life and second part which shaped my career in the navy yes it definitely made you mentally tougher physically of course because that's you know one of the major aspects of being in the in the armed forces but it made you mentally tougher i'll give you an example why i say that so while we had just joined we used to have these seemingly irrational drills where you would be allowed to you know go for your meal but you're not allowed to sit for more than few inches on your chair while you are you know in the when you're a junior cadet and as you grow senior you keep getting you know you can keep getting seated more comfortably and back in those days as to you know we and you're not allowed to walk to another place you could only run from one point to another so back in those days we used to just laugh and understand that why would you do something as kiddish and childish as this but later we realized that all this which you find irrational at time was what was mentally toughening you something which is so irrational that your mind feels that irrational you keep doing it at one point you reach a stage where it does not matter and you feel okay this is fine i can just do anything else so i think that was one aspect which shaped my character which i wasn't earlier and the navy helped me do that were there any moments where you thought to yourself wow i've discovered something new about myself or maybe i've just been suppressing things about myself during that time and how did you go about grounding yourself just to make sure you didn't lose yourself so i think that journey happened a few years into my naval career when i was you know i was fortunate to have been selected for an appointment which was quite prestigious for a naval engineer officer at that time and all of us aspired to get that particular role and so and likewise me too i used to hope that i get that role but i also had this reality check on me because i didn't have the sort of background to qualify for that role but as luck would have it i think the system reposed faith in me and i was selected for a role of that kind when that happened as much as i was elated i was equally scared because suddenly i'm thrust into this role which this is a huge responsibility i have no background for it and i have this fear of letting people down and i discussed this with my wife and i said that you know i don't know whether i'll be able to do justice to this or do this and she said a very important thing which you know got me thinking and helped me with this role of mine and she said you know if you feel that you're at the rock bottom of your phase of life where you are in that you could use as a solid foundation for you to go up and the only way from rock bottom is a way up so just think of this as a great foundation and build your whole life again in this particular role like you did when you joined the navy and that's what i did and that's what got me thinking that let me cut out the noise of thinking that my primary role here is not to prove my detractors wrong my primary role here is to prove myself right and that's what i did 
I said, my role here was to the 400 odd men that I was meant to lead and that the system had reposed the faith in me. And the way I moved forward on this was, I said that, let me create a legacy. It may sound a bit narcissistic, but that's not the way I handle it. I said, I need to do something which will create a legacy, which will create an impact on the lives of the men whom I am selected to lead. And that's what I, that's what I did. And I kept moving on, on that course. The only caveat here, which I had to keep reminding myself that there's a very thin line between creating a legacy for the right reasons and turning and feeding a megalomaniac in that sense. So and that's when I realized that it's the small things which matter to people who, whose life you affect. As the job of a leader is to solve problems. And the day your, your, your men stop coming up with their problems to you, that day you should realize that you've stopped leading them because either they think that you can't solve their problems or they think that you can't lead them. And so in life, I realized that as a husband, as a father, as a son, there are always expectations from you in different forms of life to lead them into a situation. And those are the situations where you need to step up as a leader and make sure that you're always thinking of how you cannot fail them. That role of mine in the Navy helped me also transform myself into my personal life. Thank you for being so vulnerable in terms of sharing how you felt fear arising and you took a moment to speak to your wife and she helped you navigate that feeling of fear. You also mentioned about the role you play as a father, a husband, and a son. It sounds as though that there were a number of different personas or identities you felt you had to either maintain or put on to get you through this journey. How were you able to maintain your own true self as opposed to the perceived expectations that you felt were being put upon you or you were applying onto yourself? Oh yeah, that's an that's interesting question. I think the way I dealt with what you are asking me is I have always believed in myself and I've defined myself what, by what I love. Initially, it would be a lot of defining yourself by what you don't like. I don't like, you know, indiscipline in the house. I don't like uh, unpunctuality. I don't like this. So it was a lot of what I don't like and that was defining me. And that's what got me thinking one day and said that, why do I define myself with what I don't like? Why don't I define myself with what I like? And once I do that, then maybe the persona which I am, my individual persona, would be the same with the persona of the father, the son, the husband, which is being expected out of me. And that's what I started to do a lot. And I would say, okay, I love spending this time with, with my kid and teaching them to play soccer. Or I love sitting with my wife and talking about some philosophies of life. And then I realized, and a similar thing, what I was doing at work too, that I would love speaking with my subordinates or with my bosses about certain things which can help uh, better uh, some things in work or, or otherwise in the lives of the people whom we are leading. So I think that was a very important defining moment for me where I thought that defining yourself by what you love vis-a-vis -vis by what you don't like makes a difference and makes it easier for you to don multiple hats uh, whether at your work or at a family front. That's awesome. I, I love the spin on focusing on what you like and from a place of love because that fills you up with positive energy and more clarity as opposed to thinking about what you don't like. Although that balance is always healthy as well, right? Knowing, right. What, you don't, knowing what you don't like is also really important because it helps shape your path in terms of moving towards where you should be spending your energy. 
And it sounds like that's what you realized about yourself as part of what you needed to do within that journey within your career. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think just to interject here, like what you said, it's very important that you should also know what you don't like. But what I was trying to bring out here was that I wanted to be defined. I should define myself with what I like. Like people should know me for what I am, for what I like and not for what I don't like. So that is what I realized much later. That's brilliant. You've shared so many examples. Can you share the most transformative moment in your career that you believe truly shaped your approach to your own personal development? I think the most transformative moment in my career which shaped you know, my life's journey or the way I want to lead it was one of failure. And there was this situation where I, I basically tasted failure and I was distraught, of course. And I thought that maybe it's the time, it's probably the time that I should start looking at the end of my naval career because I don't think I can go any forward from here. And while I was in this, not in this uh, the whole throes of, disappointment again there, to my rescue comes my wife and we discuss this out and we start thinking that what is it that's so disappointing what is it that seems for me like the world has ended and I realized that I was worrying about something which I had no control over that is tomorrow what's going to happen tomorrow and to some extent I was also causing this whole negative emotion was also being caused by some of the past baggage which I was carrying and I was not ready to let go. And what in effect was happening was I was actually not living my today, which I should have been. Because at that moment, we were blessed with, the, with our first kid. We had, a, we had a wonderful family life. Everything was going fine. So I thought that, is it worth letting your future, which you have no control over, decide how you live your today? And slowly I started shedding that baggage of the past as well as of the future and decided that what's important is to live my today and because there's nothing more important and nothing more in control of you what you can do with you today and that is what I think that failure taught me that failures will happen but the today should not be stopped living I think that that's been one of the most transformative moments of my naval career also for my life as well. You've shared some amazing stories about how you faced inner turbulence or conflict within yourself and you talk that through with your wife it sounds like your wife obviously has played an integral part in your journey I'd love to delve into that a little bit more given that you joined the army in the year 2000 you're now having to face the challenges at sea but also having to share some of these experience and moments with your wife can you share a little bit more about that journey Sure. Interesting that you asked this, Nilesh, because when I joined the Navy, I, I wasn't married. I was, I, I think I was 21 or 22 when I got commissioned. I got married much later in life. And my wife, just to give a background, my wife uh, was not from India. She, she was born and brought up in Australia and we had a love marriage and she had a very successful, thriving career. And she was working at that time in London. When we decided to get married, she decided to leave her career there moved to India with me and support me in my career because, you know, she realized how important and passionate I was for my career in the Navy. So she gave up that uh, whole life of hers, then moved to India with me. 
and supported me in my journey. At that moment, I probably I didn't realize, but now that you know, I, I have the time to look back and uh, reflect on on all my past actions, I realized that that wasn't a small uh, gesture. It meant such a big thing for a person who was so career driven. And she's ready to do that to support her partner. And I joined the Navy because I wanted to. That was my choice. I knew the, the risks involved. I knew that how tough the life could be. But for a family member, whether it's my wife or it's my mother, who, you know, since my father was also in the army, they, I think, sometimes we fail to acknowledge their strength and their contributions. The fact that they are the ones who are living this uncertain life of your husband or your son, they didn't choose that, but they always support that. And I think we draw our strength when we go to our various missions and, you know, when people talk about how heroic someone is, I think we draw that strength from the fact that these are the people behind us who are unwavering in their support for us. Do we acknowledge them enough? Probably I didn't at that point of time. But when you do realize it, I think that's one thing we all should. And we'd be failing in our duties if we didn't. And... Uh, my wife, she, of course, you know, she did try working in India, but then we had a child. And with my work, you know, a naval officer or armed forces officer's wife, it's difficult to sustain a career because you're moving every few years. Then at one point of time, circumstances such happened that she moved while I was being deployed for long duration. And, you know, to help me focus on my career and not be bogged down by also focusing myself on the domestic life, we made a collective decision that she moved overseas to US and to raise a kid as well as pursue her career. This may sound to some like, was it a selfish thing to do that you are taking your child away from your father so that both of you can focus on your careers? To each his own, I would say. But in our case, I think that was the best thing we could do to raise that kid because of various reasons. The fact that I would not be home for most of the times, it would be difficult for her to just raise a child on her own over there. And here she had the support of her parents. So, and then collectively we made this work for seven years that we were apart. But not once, I feel, I think we did a good job as parents that we did not make a child feel the absence of the father. And she did a great job to raise her the way she is today without making her feel that the father wasn't present here. This is how we made this work for each other and we could do this because we had that mutual respect for each other and our choices. I think that's such a fascinating story to share. So thank you for that. And the fact that the two of you still were able to maintain a strong connection, a vulnerable level of communication with each other, is a testament to you both. It's also really empowering to see that you recognize that for yourself. And it's also helped shape the family dynamic that you now have. You're also a keen sportsman and adventure enthusiast. How have these pursuits outside of your professional life contributed to your personal growth and transformation? I think sports and adventure activities, which I was always very keen on, I think it plays a very important role in your overall development as, a, as an individual. Sports, I think it, it instills in you the, the qualities of Esprit de Corps, being a team player, the fact that how important it, the team is vis-a-vis -vis an individual. I think it teaches you that from a very young age. And it is also, I think it also teaches a very important aspect in life that sometimes we have these, uh, these 
inherent biases, thinking that, oh, this particular position in life is more important than this particular position in life. If I just give an analogy to that, for example, my daughter plays soccer and she loves to, you know, like everyone else, everyone wants to be a Ronaldo or a Messi who is always the goal scorer and the whole world knows about them. But how many of us as kids or when we started playing, including myself, wanted to be uh, Paolo Maldini? Most of us probably won't even have heard his name. But that's when I, I, I was taught this at a very young age by my coach. And I would like to, you know, I, I teach the same thing to my daughter. And which I say is that if you are a great striker, you can win games for your team. You can score and you can win games for your team. But if you are a great defender, you will always ensure that your team never loses. You may not win, but you will still never lose. So that's a balance. So both of them are equally important. And you, you decide what is more important. Is it important to always win or is it important to never lose? So I feel every role has its own weight. And depending on where you are, you have to justify why this role is so important and you are so important for it. So that's one thing which I learned from sports. Adventure activities, I think it's a great platform for you to learn leadership skills because when you're leading a team for adventure activities, it teaches you to lead from the front. It teaches you that we all are scared at some point of time when you know a situation such arises. It's a human nature to be scared. But as a leader, you never show that fear to your team because if you've shown fear on your face to your team, then your team has already lost. So I think the adventure activities part of it did teach me that when you're going through such tough situations, how you need to always keep your calm, not be stressed. Even if you are stressed, don't show that stress to your team. And likewise in life, as a father figure, as, as, as a son, as a husband, there will be situations where they all look up to you to solve a tough situation in life. And that's the point where you yourself are also flustered and stressed and you don't know what's going to happen. But you don't show that to them because they, that comforts them and tells them, okay, he's there, things will be all right. And, and it, it's like a symbiotic relationship. You draw the strength from them, feeling that everything is okay and moves you forward. So this is, I think, sports and adventure is a very important aspect in, in life. And I feel everyone should at some point of time play some sport or do some sort of an adventure activity. You mentioned not showing the feelings of stress or fear to family members or members in the team. But at the same time, how are you making sure you're looking after yourself in those moments? Oh, that's, that's an interesting one. Let me, you know, uh, answer that question by telling you how I transitioned from being in the Navy to a full-time role as a father when I moved here. And I, I think I'll be able to answer this question better. You know, I, I was craving this life of getting back to my family and being a family man again because I was living by myself for almost seven years in the Navy when my wife and kids moved uh, over to the US. And so I, I just couldn't wait for that moment to arrive. And finally, when that moment arrived and I came here, I realized that what I had in my head that how I'm going to lead, how I'm going to be a father, wasn't actually the case in reality. Because having lived yourself for seven years and in a life which was quite well looked after by the Navy since I had, you know, become a senior rank there, and you get start, you start getting used to living by your own rules and the way you are. And suddenly you come in here and you have to fit in 
into a family which already have their lifestyle of living. So it was it was not an easy transition, I would say, as much as I'd hope that it would be just seamless. And that that's what happens in life, that every situation where you feel it's going to be easy, sometimes you realize that there are too many interconnections which need to come together for it to be a, a seamless or a limitless existence. So here I come and I have a certain set of rules and feel that this should be a similar thing in a family. But that got me thinking that like I feel that these are my rules and these are my way of life, which is probably the right way. My wife and kids have been living a different set of rules in life, which they feel are the right way. And ours and mine and their views may not sync always. So it was almost for me, I pressed the reset button. I said, okay, let's start this all over again. Like when I started my life in the Navy, everything is new. We build it from ground zero and we build it the way we want to build it as a family together, as a unit together. To answer your question, I did not want to lose my identity of what I am vis-a-vis the expectations of what the, of a father of, or, or a husband. So we found a common ground, a fine balance between both. It required a lot of hard work from both me and my wife primarily. The kids are growing. So they see, they learn what they see in their parents. And that's when we decided that no matter how much there are times when you have disagreements between your partners, you have arguments, but to the kids, we will always show a face that both of us are always in agreement, both of us are always happy and there is no stress. So that they feel that this is how you need to grow up. This is how you need to live in a unit called a family. That's the way I kept my own existential identity as well as the pressures of being a father and a husband. You've mentioned you show your kids that there's happiness, there's no stress. There's going to be moments where there are times of stress or unhappy feelings. How did you navigate those experiences without false pretenses and also keeping healthy in and amongst yourself and as a family? So the way me and my wife did it, I mean, I don't say we did it from day one that we could do this. It was a work in progress. There were times initially when there would be arguments and there would be stress which the kids would be privy to. And uh, we did realize it's something which we want to get exposed to because it does affect them emotionally. And no matter how much we think that our kids are, I mean, our kids are like sponges, like they absorb everything. And that's not something that we want to expose them. So we decided it's our own thing. We decided that we, we have this code between us that if either of us are stressed or you know, stressed or did not like what the other person say, and we have this urge to react, we use a, a password. And the password means that either me or my wife goes into the room first, and after five minutes, I go in. So it all looks very organic to the kids that it's just, you know, some errand they're going to run. Go into the room, trash it out for that five, 10 minutes, come back out, and then show the same face what the kids saw you before you were leaving. It did take some time. And also I realized a very important thing which, which helped all of us as a family, which I learned in the Navy and I, you know, I replicated in, into my real life was when, when I was leading the, my, my group of men in various appointments, I would make these small gestures, which I think was a great leadership tool. Small things like we had you know, troops from all over the country, from very remote parts of the world, from, from the country coming from very 
you know, backward economic conditions. So I would make it a point to always remember them or compliment them on their milestones, be it their birthdays or their anniversaries, something which was not very common for people who come from villages and things like that. And I would make sure that I would pat them on the back in full public if they did something good. And also made it a point to never censure anyone in public. It would always be in, in private. A similar thing I started doing at home with my kids, the smallest achievement, you know, if my daughter is late every day in the morning for coming, getting ready to school and she's, she's ready five minutes before the normal time that she gets ready. And I make it a big deal. We, we both, we make it a big deal and it's like an achievement for her. So things like these, I think, motivate and propel uh, every individual to keep doing better and improving. I saw that in my, in my men because small things, I encourage them and push them to do better. Similar thing I see in my kids, I encourage them for a very tiny thing, which may look very, very normal and mundane, but it's something which really pushes them to do even better. I think it's so important to celebrate mini milestones. Sometimes we get lost in focusing on the destination as yes. opposed to the journey we're going through and celebrating each step because each step is a step forward. And that in itself is so rewarding and it's really important to celebrate that and make people aware of that too. So I think it's a, a lovely example you shared there. For our listeners who are inspired by your journey and want to pursue their own paths of self-discovery and growth, what advice would you offer them to live a limitless life? I think the first thing which I mentioned earlier in the talk as well is it's very important to love yourself. And when, when I say you love yourself, you have to love yourself, your, your personality, your body, because unless you love yourself, you will never be able to love others and spread that kind of happiness. So it's important to look after your health because a lot of loving yourself also comes from your mental well-being. It's just not the physical well-being. Second, like which I said, you have to define yourself. I feel it's important to define yourself by what you love. And we have a tendency to define ourselves in opposition to stuff. And I don't like pop music. I don't like greasy food. I don't like so-and-so. I think will be a very positive change in your life if you consciously start expressing your passion for things you love. You should be generous in your praise for, for everyone around you, people who matter, who don't matter, and people who those whom you admire. I think it's very important to acknowledge the, uh, the role that your role models or the people who you look up to have played in your life. Small gestures of appreciation, I think, go a long way in making your life more meaningful and also more happy. Since all of us are partners or eventually will be partners to someone in our life, it's very important to be an equal partner, I feel, in the journey of life. And we should never forget to acknowledge and reciprocate the sacrifices your partner has made. So in my case, I told you how my wife sacrificed her, her, her fantastic career to be with me and support my career. And then when we reached a stage in life where we had to take a decision whether my wife should come back with her kids to India so that I can continue growing in the Navy or should I now come and help her grow in her career and reciprocate. So I decided, I mean, it, it wasn't even a thought. It was like, she has done her bit. It's time for me to do her bit. And it doesn't make you less of a man if, you know, in the, in the, in the feudal sense that it's always the woman who needs to sacrifice a career for the man. I, I think that's very important for you to lead a limitless happy family life. And it's also very important, I think, which we forget in today's world, which is such a fast-paced world, that how important it is to be connected 
to the people you love, your family members, your extended family members. These are the same people when we were kids back then, when the technology wasn't that advanced, they would take time to meet you, spend time with you, even when things weren't easy. And back in India, you know, the, going by air wasn't that easy or accessible to everyone. So people had to go by a train. My father used to be posted in remote area. They take him five days to just reach home. But these, your relatives, your elders, they took the time to meet you at that time. And we all loved it as kids that we would go and spend time with our grandparents or with the relatives. And today I feel that despite the fact that we have so much comfort due to technology, we can, you know, press up a button, we can book our tickets and go everywhere. But somehow we always seem to not have the time to do it. And I think that's, it's very important that we find time to reconnect and connect with the people who shape the way we are today. And we tend to forget that in our today's fast-paced existence. It's very important to count your blessings and not rush in with your life because you don't know what's going to happen five, 10 years down the line. And uh, you are just happy. You should count your blessings that you're happy to be in a place that you are today. And you should not let the future, like I mentioned earlier, affect how you're living here today. Life is going to be a very long and hard journey. We all know that. It's going to be happy at times, sad at times. But there's only one universal truth, which we all know that finally we're all going to rest at some point of time. So the only sensible thing which I feel is to do with this existence of ours is to fill it with everything which gives you happiness. And happiness is something which you should not seek. The more you share with others, the more you get that happiness. And that's what I've learned in my 46 years of existence, I think. You know, Nilesh, we all go through our ebbs and flows in life. And they say that when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade out of it. But in actuality, it's easier said than done. Or at least that was the case with me. During this difficult personal phase of my life, I went into my shell and became sort of self-serving doing only those things which made me happy. Almost being selfish, and I'll admit to that. I became indifferent to what people around me or even close to me, including my family members, expected out of me. My actions towards people I cared for became one-sided in a way that I did things if it made me happy. So if me making that person happy made me happy, I just did that. And in return, I stopped expecting a reciprocal gesture. And if they did reciprocate in any way, it was just double joy for me. And I, I would just take it as that, that this is one of my luckier days. And then over the years, it dawned upon me that this negative trait of indifference and selfishness had in fact become one of the strongest sources of my happiness. And the offshoot of this growth was that I realized that my true source of happiness for me was to bring joy to others. And this came from a selfless place and not just doing uh, something which is for me. It, it just made me more uh, selfless. It made me more giving. And I think somewhere down the line, the very ethos of our Indian Armed Forces, wherein the first oath which we take when we get commissioned is service to force self. And I think knowingly, unknowingly, somewhere down the line, my 27 years being part of that uniform, imbibed that very value in me and which later in life just manifested itself into the way that I am today. That has been my pursuit ever since. And I'm thankful to the Almighty that when I did hit my rock bottom, 
it unknowingly became the foundation for my quest to leading a limitless life. That's absolutely beautiful. And I want to thank you for sharing these insights. I love the fact that you're looking back and you're reflecting on what you've learned along the way and how this is helping you shape your journey. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much, Nilesh, for having invited me on, on this talk and given me this opportunity to reflect upon my life over the last 30 odd years. And had it not been for this talk, I actually wouldn't have reflected upon a lot of my behavioral traits, which unknowingly or knowingly became a part of me. So thank you so much. I really appreciate you having given me this opportunity. And I hope that this talk adds value in whatever way it can to people. Thank you so much. I'm truly grateful and I'm grateful for everyone listening today. Thanks for joining me on another episode of Limitless Lives. Until the next episode, take care of each other and we'll see you soon. Mm -hmm.